You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast. I am here once again, sadly, without Chris Santos, but I do have a really good friend of mine who I've known since I was 16 and you were like 20 whenever the first Euro tour was. We could probably do that math pretty easily, but let's just say something like that. Yeah, 21, maybe. Yeah, my friend Nick DeSalvo of Elder. How are you today, Nick? Good. Chilling. Six hours ahead of you in the future. Living your Berlin life. Exactly. How are you doing? I am good. You know, just uh, another day in rock and roll paradise here in Brooklyn. I think your listeners should know you're wearing a Jimmy Buffett t-shirt as you do this interview. I mean, yeah, I'm the cultist man in North America. I got to like tone down the cult so that other people can interact with me. It's because this is a is a heavy prog rock interview, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Trying to pander to my sensibilities. You know, I know that you admire the work of Jimmy Buffett's producer, Mac McConnelly. I love him. No one I, no one I, I admire more. Yeah. You know, uh, golf and Western music. Point being. Yeah, where were we going? Yeah. No. <laughs> this could go on You forever. just put out, Jimmy Buffett aside, world's greatest artist. You just put out a new record that's, in my opinion, the best record you've ever done, Innate Passage. How are you feeling? Good, man. I think it's a pretty solid record. We recorded it and even mixed it like quite a long time ago at this point. So it was really just like kind of felt like finally taking that shit after you've been constipated for a while. It's like, ah, it's finally out. And the reception has been really good. That was really not a metaphor I wanted. The point being of that is it's a relief to finally have it out there after you like kind of sitting on something for so long. It's good. But I mean, it's kind of weird. It's one of these times where, you know, we're going into winter. Everyone's kind of shutting down for the end of the year. We're not heading into any tours. So the record's out. We're seeing that people are listening to it and enjoying it. But again, we're just going to sit and wait until we get to play these songs live in another five months or something. Yeah, because how was the reception initially? Really good. So far, I mean, I've seen... I try not to spend like too, too much time reading like comments and all that. But the the critical reception I've seen from like the press has been really positive. There's always been a lot of split of like, oh, you know, half the people saying they wish that we'd go back to the older days and do like heavier, doomier shit. And then the other half, the people we picked up along the way who learn the band with our more progressive approach and who really dig where, what we're doing. Um, but both sides seem to at least say it's a pretty solid album, which is nice. Yeah, I... 
That's, but that's honestly my favorite part about Elder, I think, is how you've been able to evolve but stay true to the Elder thing. How have you done that? I, mean, I think the Elder, th- maybe the Elder thing, um, as far as I can tell, would be just kind of like, I've always been the principal songwriter, and I th- I guess I have, for better or for worse, a kind of sound um, for, the, for the riffs that I write and the music I write. You know, it's very melodic. It jumps back and forth between like major and minor. It's kind of got some like, trademarks that even if you don't have a musical vocabulary you probably might recognize as like sounding kind of like elder and um even if you know if it's a lead being played with the synthesizer or a distorted guitar there's still some degree of recognizability to it as us i definitely have heard a lot of people say like oh that you know you hear an elder record and you know it's elder i think it's just because pretty much the same songwriter through the entire time and as much as I'm trying to change and evolve, there are probably some tricks that I still get stuck in every song, every riff. Well, and you still fundamentally like a lot of the same things. Yeah, in the rock world, definitely. I haven't like gotten into any genres of rock and roll that are bleeding through in the music that I haven't been listening to since we started the band. So Innate Passage, so you said that you wrote this a while ago, and it was the first record you wrote, if I'm correct, with the new lineup, right? yeah. Omens was, I mean, at that point, Mike was already in the band, our second guitarist. Mm-hmm. But um, this is the first one with the new drummer, the newer drummer, Georg. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, the first record that was like written and rehearsed with them in real time where everyone had a chance to like go through the parts. Omens was kind of like transitionary period where we had, it was for those who don't know, like half of the band or three quarters of the band is in Germany. Our bassist lives in the States, but that ratio was flipped for a while where I was the only one over here and the other guys lived in the States. And so our way of doing stuff is like, sometimes it was easier for me to really write and demo out everything to the point where we could go into studio. And other times we've been together where we could jam more and develop ideas together. And so this was like another kind of flip period where most of the band was able to jam on the ideas and kind of flesh them out together versus Omens wasn't quite as much. And uh, Georg was kind of like thrown into that cold, like the record was written and uh, our old drummer, Matt, left the band and we had like, we're basically like, dude, got to learn all these songs. And then in a couple months, we'll go into the studio and record them. Now, after a couple of years, we've been like playing together and know each other musically. And we vibe together in a different way than we did when that lineup shift took place. Right. So how do you think that's going to impact the next album? Mm, I mean, we can only get better from here. I think like the more we play with each other, the I noticed with Jack, you know, our bassist, my longtime friend, my elementary school friend that we've been playing together in bands for so long. We really have a very easy, like unspoken way of working together. And those are things that you forget if you don't have like so many musical partners in your life. Like I, a lot of people come into music and and like put out a bulletin on Craigslist looking for like a drummer looking for bassist or whatever. And you're used to that kind of working with different people that you, you know, might not have developed with together. And that was definitely the the case for me is like, oh shit, this is different. I haven't worked with these people forever. That organic connection takes some time to build up. And I think which is weird. We've done that, but yeah. So how do you see the next? How do you see the music evolving? Like, what do you see the next step? Is it going to continue to become more prog? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not even. It's really hard to think about. This band has been going for like quite a while now, and I haven't even really thought about another record at this point. I mean, I vaguely thought about it, but like sometimes I wonder. I'm like, have we said everything we like need to say with this band? Like, I don't know. I think that's also kind of just the syndrome that hits after you write finish a record, just like kind of kind of just like mentally 
exhausted about thinking about it for a while. And um, I don't know what the next step is for Elder. I think I I don't want to do something so overblown and crazy and proggy. If anything, I want to like give into the romantic idea of renting a cabin somewhere for a month with the guys and just, you know, jamming and, and going back to the roots in that way. Kind of like instead of this me write everything and give it to the guys kind of approach, it's become very much like me working at home a lot in front of my computer, which is not really my favorite way of doing things. And the COVID yeah. years and the distance made it difficult for obvious reasons. But um, now that we're kind of like past that, I think the, the next thing I'd like to do is bring everyone back together for some period of time and try to work organically and maybe do something more in the vein of like gold and silver sessions again, a little more jammed out live recordings, that kind of stuff. I've got other projects that I'm like also really itching to resume. So not really sure. At least the album just came out, so I'm in no great rush to start a new Elder Material immediately. I understand. Let's talk about this for a second, because you have a bunch of other projects that kind of evolved. Some over COVID, some existed before, basically. Kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, a bunch is kind of a little bit too much. I've got two. this solo project, Delving. I've got another band that released a, a recorded a record last winter here which hasn't been announced and isn't coming out for a while so i'm gonna spare you the details on that and i've got kind of a third thing in the oven maybe with my wife that we've been writing some songs for years and probably got enough to finally record something so there is like a lot going on adjacent to elder that i'd kind of like to give the time of day you know absolutely so you almost see elder still touring but recording wise in kind of a quiet place maybe yeah there's a yeah i gotta see when i mean i'm just now starting like to sit back with my guitar um i haven't been home for a very long time and just seeing what comes out and i guess whatever you know is Mm -hmm. inspired try and funnel that into some project but yeah i mean i see no great rush to like immediately write the next elder opus or whatever maybe just take that easy for now not really sure well because What's interesting is part of how you run Elder, which is pretty different, is you also work at the record label. Right. Stickman, yeah. So that gives you a lot more control over what you're doing, I think, than most other bands could even dream of. Talk to me about that, because you've always been, since I've known you, you've always kind of wanted to keep it all under one roof. Why is that and how does that work? I mean, you mean in terms of control, like like there's no label telling us what we have to do, when we have to do it, this kind of stuff. I mean, I've never worked with a label that did that. A period where we were on Meteor City, which used to be kind of like the in-house label from stonerock.com, and they did a lot of cool releases back in the day. But um, their owner fucked us and fucked with us pretty bad and uh, was withholding fucking album rights, even though he wasn't doing anything with them and just being a dick in general. Like we had like the bad music biz experience early on, albeit on a small scale, where we were like getting, you know, lawyering up and like getting ready to like take legal action. And that just cemented my already like suspicion that it's better just at least for us it's better to work with people we know and to try and keep as much control over your stuff as as possible i'm sure there's a smart way of giving control away but i'd just rather not do that if you do something yourself then it at least you have the illusion that you're always doing it right you know like a home improvement project or something at least you get to bear the weight yeah and totally and there's no one you know especially labels that want to have creative control over what you're doing I always found that weird that an artist would consent to that. Yeah. But hey, I mean, you know, everyone does what's best for them, I guess. Well, I also think it depends on the type of creative suggestion the label's trying to make. Like, I want your opinion on this. 
because and this is like something we'd almost talk about just when we're hanging out but for instance like with blacklight media right this metal blade subsidiary that sponsors the show and all that good stuff mm-hmm. we might suggest a specific producer for an artist because we feel like it would take their music to the next level we wouldn't necessarily force them to work with said producer. Like, we definitely wouldn't force them to work with said producer. But, like, what about something like that? Where it's like, hey, maybe go work with this guy. No, I mean, that's totally valid. Like, that's what, that you know, that's the kind of suggestion that comes with experience and time that's, like, very useful. And, you know, one of the kind of things that makes record labels still um, relevant in this day and age you know the role is kind of like maybe waning to some extent in my opinion or there's a lot more avenues for bands to do things without labels these days sure no i mean suggestions a suggestion is a suggestion that's all it is you know yeah absolutely i didn't know about the song with your wife that's really cool what kind of music is that she's really into post stuff you know like i'd say her music is kind of like post metal post rock ish and kind of she's been the main catalyst for like a lot of the ideas in that and i kind of funnel that through my own more like psychedelic brain so Mm -hmm. i guess you could say it's kind of like post rock or post metal but with some sort of like psychedelic edge it's harder music than i do with elder or any anything else because um she came from like a death black metal background right and um yeah but that's interesting yeah yeah it's We've really been fucking trying to do something for so long, but with all the tours and stuff, it like never, never had the time somehow tours and like jobs and whatever. But um, yeah, that's on my to do list for 23. Finally make that into a concrete record. That's really cool. That's really and that's just a project that COVID was able to kind of help birth. No, not even like she's been um, writing music and like we've been kind of writing music together, but she's been doing this for like years probably for okay I don't know, like five years at this point it's been a really long term project that um we just never really had the final draw to finish we've been a lot of home recordings you know that kind of stuff for sure it's probably a, a record's worth of like home recordings already but um yeah just to find the time to go back through all of that and edit it up and then hit an actual studio turn it into the thing you want it to be yeah yeah over covid i didn't think i did most of I mean, between Elder and Delving, I think I was pretty busy with that shit over the COVID years. For sure. And I guess Eldovar. That too, yeah. Will we ever see a sequel to that record? I don't know. Uh, I think it was kind of like, it's one of those projects that happened because of a specific circumstance. I think to try and recreate that might be a mistake. That's um, fair. I, that's not to say I wouldn't jam with those dudes again. No, but I get it. It's See if something else happened out of that. But I also don't mind things not being done to death. Collaborative records are difficult. I don't know if we need another one, but I'd be open to it. I can appreciate that very much. Cool. Okay. So as we head towards the end, I wanted to kind of get in with you. So elders had this kind of growth and it sort of straddled the stoner world and the doom world pretty elegantly so far. And and it's interesting, I think, because elder really the way it started, like you're all just 18, just playing riffs together. Right. More or less. Yeah. Where do you see Elder now in relation to both the stoner scenes and the prog scenes? We have nothing to do with the prog scene. I don't know a single prog rock band. I don't even I have my own like real problems with being lumped into this genre just because the prog rock that I listen to is like, you know, 70s shit. It's not any. Sure. Of I mean, there's very few modern prog bands that I I really listen to. And most of that stuff is like kind of on the bizarre, like Norwegian trollish 
side of things. Sure. But like, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like Devin Townsend's porcupine tree. Like, yeah, and you have nothing to do. Yeah, no, for whatever. sure. Whatever. Like, no, that's not you. Yeah. So I don't know. I still think we're we're pretty much like, as far as I can tell, we're kind of like the more interesting stoner band out there. You know, like it's like heavy riffs. I would say you're the more interesting stoner band out there. Kind of like that kind of. It's it's like we want to obviously appeal to people um, who are just looking for like cool heavy music, no matter what genre you like feel to be part of yeah i still feel like we're kind of like part of that you know stoner family for better or for worse absolutely like it's just where we came from and still we play like heavy down down tuned music with slow parts yeah it was it's it's still like for the most part like i don't even know i kind of like i lose sight of all this stuff myself for me we're like a we are like a heavy progressive band but as much like prog as we are we're still like psych rock we're still like kind of like you know heavy rock or stoner or whatever there's just like a lot of shit going on there i just call it heavy rock at this point and you know leave it be and whoever it appeals to that's cool but i don't really see us as part of the the prog world that's just it's not it's not very cool this prog rock thing i gotta say sure i always thought like looked at prog and just like modern prog especially just like what the fuck is this this just like looks so bad um, not that it's about looks, but like really just like aesthetically, but also like production wise, it's like so many choices that I really rub me the wrong way in like modern prog rock. No, I understand that. It's a lot of just like fucking around and showing how good you can play very like self masturbatory stuff. And that's not really what we're about. That's not what drew you into Elder in the first place. No, it's still got a groove. It's still got to feel like even if you don't know, like, oh, this is like a... 11 13 time signature or something crazy you're still like able to like you know groove with your head and feel the music it's not supposed to be intentionally confusing or jarring or something like that and we don't write the music with that intention it's just i like more uncommon time signatures and that just it does it for me that's the only reason can't do four four or you know three four all the time no for sure and the way you make that it's really remarkable. It's always been remarkable to me how you make those sort of off-kilter time signatures groove. I don't think you set out, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't get the impression you set out to write a song in 9-8. It just kind of happens. Yeah. And I mean, usually with any given song, there's like plenty of different time signatures and plenty of different changes. So we don't set out to write a song in anything. Ideas just kind yeah. of happen and the song develops the way it develops. But there's no rules or no real concept for most of the songs when they're when they're in their infantile stages absolutely i think maybe we can just leave it there thank you so much all right cool thank you brother go listen to innate passage everyone and jimmy buffett and jimmy buffett hell yeah parrot heads unite all right so that was awesome thank you everyone out there for listening to delirious nomads sponsored by blacklight media we will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest be sure to follow blacklight media on socials for new music and more and above all keep it heavy The Helping Friendly Podcast explores the music and fan experience of fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band, and with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old fish shows, this is for you. Highly recommend. It's not just about the band and the shows. It's about the journey getting there. 
Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.